I hope it holds on a little longer. Don't become a pumpkin yet, Montreal. <laughs> That's not a hot take. That's just a fact. Man, Tampa Bay needs to cool it with the titles to start the 2020s. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I'm your co-host, Justin Wright. Coming to you from Hot Springs, Montana, and I'm joined by my stalwart, ever-present co-host, Jared Miller. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm doing good, Justin. I'm coming to you live from uh, scenic Bozeman, Montana, where we're finally getting a little of that rain we've so desperately wanted over the last month. Boy, we could use some of it here, that's for sure. It has been hot and smoky, and there's fires everywhere. I will try to send some of it your way. I'll do my best. Please do. You know, we, we, could, should, we could really use it. <laughs> we should really ask your brother to send some rain our way because he's in the land of rain right now. He is. He is over in Seattle. He, uh, I was talking to him earlier and he was passing by CenturyLink Field. Oh, yeah. Old Lumen Field now. No. But yeah, I agree. It's still CenturyLink. It's still, uh, that's what I still call it. But yeah, I saw that too. He's, uh, he's in the Holy Land right now. He is. Uh, and your team visited the Holy Land uh, just today, Tuesday. Got to go to the White House to they celebrate did. the Super Bowl. Did you see what uh, uh, Tom Brady said? I did not. Or I guess what was said to him. I don't remember who it was, but one of your players, as they're they're walking up to the White House, uh, jokes with Brady. He's like, do you just have residency here? <laughs> <laughs> and Brady was like, oh, shush. He's like, I haven't been here in quite a while. <laughs> Still been there like what? seven times yeah he's uh he's met quite a few presidents there he has he uh he sure has uh but yeah the bucks finally getting to uh it feels like the last two things you do to celebrate a super bowl win is visit the white house and you get your rings and you haven't got your rings yet have you no didn't think so i try to keep up on the uh the ring news every year and i i was pretty sure that tampa hadn't gotten theirs yet but no, not yet. I'm sure we will get them relatively soon. Pretty cool to see uh, pictures of a former Bobcat, Travis Johnson, in the White House today. Yeah, with, man. Uh, with you guys. I, I kind of, it's terrible of me. I kind of always forget he's on the team, but he is, uh, he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He is. We talked about it after the Super Bowl. He was posting pictures uh, on Instagram of, of Brady being, and talking about how he's just like, oh, this is just uh, <laughs> routine to him now. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's just weird because I remember like not even two years ago going watching him play games here in Bozeman in person, and it's just it's awesome to see how far he's come in his career. And uh, I, I hope it's a long, fruitful career in the NFL. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, speaking of careers that are just getting going in the NFL and some not so good news for LA Rams running back Cam Akers, uh, who was just entering his second season here, tore his ACL uh, on Tuesday and is expected to miss the entire upcoming 2021 season. Yeah, and that's a real shame, you know, for someone that's so young into their career to miss out their second season like that. And when he was, you know, we were kind of discussing it before the podcast started. He was someone that was, you know, pretty hyped up to be, you know, one of the Rams guys, like the guy. And 
it does make me wonder, you know, um, how it's going to affect this Rams down the stretch. Cause I think I was thinking that, you know, with acres and how he was looking to perform this year, coupled with Stafford, I, I was really thinking, you know, they could have a real good balance between the air and the, and the run game, but now they might be, you know, more, more looking to Stafford to get things done. Definitely. Uh, Akers had a, a really good rookie season last year. And especially when it came to playoff time toward the end of the season and into the playoffs. I mean, in uh, December, I think, I think it was December against the game against new England. He ran for 171 yards on 29 carries, helped the Rams beat the Patriots then. And then I just remember uh, the, the wild card game against Seattle he, he torched us on the ground. He ran for 131 yards. Um, and I think he had a touchdown in that game. I can't quite remember, but I'm pretty sure he did. Anyway, he, he, like you said, was kind of looking to be, and the Rams were looking to him to be one of the guys this year on the ground, if not the guy. The And now they're going to have to turn to Daryl Henderson. And I know a little bit about Henderson because I watched him a lot in college. He played at Memphis. Uh, he was really good. He was really good at Memphis and I'm not trying to disparage him when I say this, but being good at Memphis in the American athletic conference in college football is a little bit different than being the guy for an NFL team, especially a team mm-hmm. like the Rams who play in a very tough division. It might be the toughest division in football. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Rams become more of a pass happy team this year now, because of that uh, we know Stafford has an arm. We know, uh, he's a very, very solid quarterback, but you know, a lot of, I think a lot of pressure just got put on the offense in the air game because of this, this injury to acres. And it, it's, it's bad news for the Rams. Yeah. Um, but you know, like we've talked about the best teams will find a way to overcome. I don't know if the Rams are one of those best teams, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We will see. Definitely, we'll see in a division like the NFC West. Uh, do you think? I, I guess this is kind of a two-pronged question. First off, before this Acres injury, where did you kind of predict the Rams ending this next season? Did you predict them winning the division uh, in the playoffs? Where did you have them? And then, what did this injury? How much did it change your prediction? Um, I had them definitely going to the playoffs. I didn't have them winning and going to the Super Bowl or anything, but I had them in the playoffs, you know, maybe as a wild card team. Um, this injury, I think it potentially, if they don't do anything to really help fix it, or if if other players don't necessarily step up to fill that role, I think they miss the playoffs by a couple of games. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I am I am wondering, and I'll, I'll let you answer your own question here in a second, but I'm wondering maybe if they don't look at some of these free agent guys that are available, because, like, I, I don't think Le'Veon Bell has found a team yet, has he? Uh, no, not currently, and I was just going to say that, too. Uh, it makes you wonder what kind of play the Rams might make for a running back uh, in free agency or maybe even a trade down the line who knows you know they might start the season see how they're doing with Henderson and if they don't like it they could make a move for a trade but uh, yeah I mean Bell's an interesting name 
he has not found a, a new home yet. So uh, I, I don't know. He's kind of been, we've talked about this before on the show and I don't want to get too much into it. Obviously Le'Veon Bell has been a very controversial character uh, in a lot of the places he's been. And Sean McVay does not seem like a coach that's going to stand for that kind of stuff. So if they did look Bell's way, I think there would be an interesting uh, social personality dynamic to it with McVeigh as coach. But uh, yeah, yeah. The, to answer my own question that I just asked you, I, I agree with you. First off, I don't think the Rams are going to win the NFC West. I think that they were going to win the, or get into as a wild card. Um, but to me, this acres injury, it hurts, but I don't think it knocks them out of, wild or wild card playoff contention uh the rams are still a very good team um they do we just were talking about them potentially turning to the passing attack a lot more and uh, they'll be okay i think if they do that with stafford throwing the ball and the receivers they have it's still a very talented offense but it is as we both know as football fans it's very hard to get things done too when you become one-dimensional and so I agree with you too. They're going to have to address this somehow, whether it be with Henderson or going for uh, a running back in free agency or trade or whatever, they're going to have to, uh, you know, find a way to fill those shoes best they can because they can't be a pass only team. Obviously no one can mm-hmm. be, but uh, I still think they make the playoffs. I still think they're going to be a wild card team. It doesn't really change where I have them finishing in the division but uh you know I I hope it makes the games against Seattle a little more favorable for the Seahawks because boy like I said especially in the playoffs Akers just tore us apart last year and I really was not looking forward to playing that young man twice more this year so uh yeah rough news for the Rams you hate to see an injury like that you hate to see a guy's season end before the season before the training camps even start so, yeah, just a bad blow for the Rams, but they're a team that I think can, at least right now, withstand this blow. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, nothing but time will tell. Nothing but time will tell. Uh, truer words have never been spoken. And speaking of time, another good transition here. A guy who has spent your segues are just on point today. They are. You're setting me up beautifully though. You know, I can't hit the ball out of the park if you don't throw me a good pitch. So thank you to you. Uh, But speaking of time, uh, a guy who spent a ton of it in the NFL has announced his retirement. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. uh, What a career. Uh, It's he came into the league in 2007, played for 14 years and he's calling it quits. And he's, I don't know. I mean, what can you say about the guy? He's just been Mr. Solid kind of wherever he goes. Yeah, he he has been an integral part of, as you said, several teams. Um, and and you not, know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, like, I, I remember him most as a Buccaneers fan with his time with, uh, with both Carolina and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got torched by him, you know, more than once. And don't you worry, sir, because I remember his time in San Francisco and we sure got torched by him too. And not just as a receiver, but in the return. Oh, and you're not going to mention his time with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, he was only there for a year. I mean, yes, it's still, he torched us there too. Uh, but you know, he's played in both of our divisions quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
uh, ended his career uh, with the Bears, but he began it actually in Miami, if you'll remember. But like I was going to say, he he did it not just as a receiver, but as a very, very skilled return man, too. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was never a guy that at least I felt like uh, was ever thought of alongside superstar level receivers and return men. But he was wherever he went, he was reliable uh, he was durable and he always, always, always made plays. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was just, like I said earlier in integral in, in several teams and, you know, it's going to be sad not to see him in the league anymore. Um, but you know, that's, that's the way it goes. So you just, as time moves on, you yeah. age out of the game. I mean, and, and you know, you don't really think about it when you think of him, but the dude played in two Super Bowls, actually. Yeah. Unfortunately, didn't win either of them. Yeah, lost to both. Uh, lost with the 49ers and with the Panthers. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's one of those guys that uh, you always knew who he was and you always knew when he was out there because uh, he was often – if, you know, games I remember Seattle playing the Cardinals and the 49ers anyway – he was the guy where if we shut down their number one receiver, uh, he would tear us apart because we never had an answer for him. And we had spent too much time game planning for, you know, receiver X. So yeah, he, his, his role on teams reminds me a lot of when, when Juju Smith Schuster and Antonio Brown were playing together, teams were so focused on Antonio Brown that they just would forget about Juju Smith Schuster and I feel like Ted Ginn had the exact same role on teams where, you know, he was that guy that, you know, you're looking the other way at, you know, the big, you know, celebrity receiver for lack of a better term. And Ted Ginn Jr. is just out there working. And uh, as soon as you give him anything, he's out there making a play. You couldn't give that man an inch of daylight because he was slicker than snot and faster than lightning. I mean, he was so, if he was in the open field game over on a return. I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. several times where he turned nothing into something in the return game. Um, Just a bit, like I said, I think the best word to describe him is solid, a solid career as a solid number two at a lot of places uh, was a difference maker in many games for many teams I mean, hell, he finished his career with over 5,700 receiving yards, 33 receiving touchdowns. He even had a couple rushing touchdowns in there. I mean, he was a very versatile yeah. guy. And, and, uh, and not even to mention his return touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was just a, just a very excellent NFL player. And he made it, like I said, 14 years in the league. Not a lot of guys play that long, especially at that position. So no. Uh, definitely a big kudos to Ted Ginn Jr. on a well-reserved or deserved uh, retirement. Yeah, uh, a great NFL career. You know, hats off to you, sir. Yeah, just too bad he couldn't get a ring. I think that'll be the story for a lot of guys, though. <laughs> Most NFL players don't. It's true. It's very, very true. Uh, other NFL news. Well, um, I think the big piece that most everybody else is already talking about is the Richard Sherman situation. I think it's, you know, while maybe a bit uncomfortable to talk about, 
um, is something we should talk about. For sure. Um, for those unaware, um, and I, I don't have the exact dates, but Richard Sherman was arrested in Kings County, Washington, uh, in the S- Seattle area for burglary domestic assault or domestic violence, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so the way the situation played out was Richard Sherman was out drinking, had apparently two whole bottles of alcohol, from what I understand, crashed his car into a construction area into one of the big concrete barriers, left and abandoned the car, went to his in-law's house, was screaming that he wanted to be let in, um, slamming the door. There's video of this. Um, and the 911 call was made uh, because he was clearly very drunk, very belligerent. And um, you can hear in the background of that call that he was saying some pretty scary things, including uh, mentioning wanting to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a tough situation. I know Jared and I both are are Seahawks fans, and we're both Richard Sherman fans. We both really like him. Um, and to say this is uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of him is, you know, downplaying the situation. Uh, yeah. That, that being said, I feel like the news outlets and, you know, the way it was reported with the charges made it sound a lot worse than it was, you know, when you hear Damascus, domestic, Oh my word, domestic assault or domestic abuse. You know, he, you think that, um, you know, he's out there like beating his wife or something. Yeah. You immediately assume the worst. Yeah. Like, like we heard that. And I think you and I both were like, Oh my gosh, no way. Um, but yeah, your mind. And especially in the, with NFL players, like the, the sad thing is like, that's not a, you know, there, there are people playing today that have abused their, their partners and or their children. Yeah. So it's, it's not without outside of the realm of possibilities. Um, fortunately, in this situation, the only person that was hurt was Richard Sherman. The police actually had to use a dog to subdue him, and he went to the hospital for a dog bite. Yeah. Um, you know, th- the big thing is um, that, you know, with everything going on, he is able to get the help that he needs because clearly – you know, I, I don't know Richard Sherman personally, neither of us do, but it doesn't, it is not something that we've seen from him prior. You know, yeah, he talks a lot of crap and he, he is outspoken, um, but he is not known as like an alcoholic, you know, crazy person outside of, you know, outside of the game of football. No, you know, that's, that's not what we've seen before. No, it's uh, this is definitely not a pattern of behavior for Richard Sherman. Uh, this was something new. This was, to the best of my knowledge, the first time he has been in trouble with the law. Um, and it was shocking to read last Thursday when that started to break the news cycle everywhere. And to me, uh, it was sad. It was very sad because, as you mentioned, I am a fan of Richard Sherman. And I will say I still am. But 
the very first thing here that like you said also is that he gets the help he needs because clearly something was not right something was way way off to say the least um and he said at least he came out in his public statement and said he vows to get the help he needs i hope he follows through on that uh, but it got me thinking and it got me thinking about kind of the old Seahawks days and the Legion of boom. And it made me sad because I realized that I've now witnessed three of the four members of the original Legion of boom, uh, kind of fall from grace from lack of a better term. Um, and with Richard Sherman's, it's a little different than the others. Uh, Brandon Browner, got in uh, big trouble with the law back in the day and it did become a pattern of behavior and uh, that was kind of early on and then we've talked about on the show kind of all the Earl Thomas craziness yeah. ever since he left Seattle and that's been hard to watch but this one was definitely the most saddest um, to me anyway because uh, this is not it doesn't seem to be normal for Richard Sherman. Um, he's a very well-spoken, well-educated uh, young man. And whatever the issue was, is first off, I'm glad that nobody got hurt, seriously hurt uh, in this event last week. And I hope it gets, I hope he just takes care of himself. Football kind of needs to be on the back burner for him right now. Um, and I think it probably is. Uh, he just needs to focus on his own mental health, his own well-being. And uh, I don't know if we've seen Richard Sherman play his last game in the NFL or not. Either way, at this point, like I said, it really doesn't matter too much right now. Uh, I just hope the guy's okay. I hope his family's okay. And I hope that they're able to work through this. Yeah, I think that's very well put. I will say I want to I want to broach a subject, you know, as we said, this is uncharacteristic. Um, we know that Richard Sherman has dealt with injuries over this past year. He is currently a free agent looking for a team. And he said in his in his public apology that, you know, he's been dealing with some personal issues. But, you know, Richard Sherman does play cornerback in the NFL, which is a hard hitting position. Do you think that this could potentially be, you know, we've seen studies that have linked, you know, head trauma and concussions to depression and suicidal thoughts um, and, you know, out of character actions. Do you think that potentially the NFL has taken a toll in some way that has led to this situation? And I know this is highly speculative, but. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's the thought that's crossed my mind. I mean, is this behavior an indication of early signs of CTE? I don't know. Um, but it, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't rule it out for sure because we've seen uh, guys in the past who have suffered from confirmed CTE that have behaved in similar manners. Um, and obviously you really hope that's not what it is, but you also hope that Richard Sherman's a smart enough guy to uh, maybe undergo some tests, you know, or, you know, subject him, his brain and himself to some sort of analysis for lack of a better term, you know, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't be shocked to find that maybe a head injury or two, um, led to this, but 
like you said, it's very speculative right now. Um, and we just don't know, but yeah, it, it very well could be. And if it is, if it, if it comes out that this, that that is the issue here, the cause of the issue, um, I know we've said this before, but you would hope that the NFL would try to address this issue better than it has in the past. I don't know. It, it, it's like I said, it's, it's scary to see these guys who may be at the physical peak of fitness, but mentally uh, this sport absolutely ravages them sometimes. And I think that's a side of it. We as fans don't always understand. So. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, even beyond understanding, sometimes we just willfully kind of ignore it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think they put a lot of those things toward the back of their minds when watching football, whether intentionally or not. It's, it's a sad reality of the game. Um, hopefully the NFL will more or less just kind of pull their heads out of the sand and start addressing it more. Um, and, and, uh, make better strides for player safety so that, you know, regardless of whether this Richard Sherman situation is related to it, but that players are, you know, better taken care of as, as we go along in the future. But anyways, I digress. Um, we'll, we'll definitely keep you updated with how the situation is playing out. Uh, currently, Richard Sherman had a court appearance, uh, I believe, earlier this week where he pled not guilty to all the charges. Um, while I agree with many who have said uh, the domestic assault charges will basically be dropped, um, you know, at, you know, I think his family members will drop those because, you know, that's uh, sometimes like even if, you've you've drank alcoholic beverages before sometimes you know um things just go bad i think uh uh, i mean when you drink two bottles yeah it can go bad fast so yeah um um but i think the drinking and driving uh he definitely needs to serve some sort of reparation for you know community service fines whatever absolutely and i think it does speak for his character the judge initially let him out um, uh, and cited that he is a family man. He is an outstanding member of the community and a business owner. And it sounds like he is really well respected in that community. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, and- he realizes the mistakes he's made and will give back to that community, you know, again, to, to make up for that situation. Yeah. To go along with what you were saying too, I have seen at least online, uh, pretty much nothing but an outpouring of support from fans, uh, not just Seahawks or 49ers fans, but of football, NFL fans. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, back in the day had their things to say about his on the field antics, but I think it was pretty clear across the board that off the field, uh, he's been an upstanding guy. And so it, it's refreshing to see. Uh, for him, all of the well wishes and support he's gotten out of this. Mm-hmm. And we, we hope for the best. Um, the situation definitely could have been a lot worse. And we uh, hope, like you said, that he, he learns from it. And he's a smart guy. I think he will. So, 
Yeah. Um, moving on to a, a, a bit different of a topic, and I realize you may be on your on your game today with the transitions. I am not because I should have done it after we talked about the the Bucks visiting the White House. But can we talk about the news about Brady playing through the Super Bowl with a torn MCL? Yeah, man. Uh, that was. Uh, I mean, it's always kind of jarring when you hear after the fact that an athlete played at the level they played through an injury like that. When I found out that it was Brady that said that I was not super surprised because he has shown time and time and time and time again in his career that he's a competitor. So still just another thing we can throw in the book about Tom Brady someday. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I wanted to say is like, dang, the dude didn't want to like risk anything he's like if if this is happening i'm i'm gonna be there we are doing this together um it takes a lot of grit i i i disagree with it as far as like a a coach i would hate if one of my players did that like told me afterwards like yeah i I played through an injury coach i'd be so pissed because like you're risking you know your future in the game you're risking your own body your own personal future but you know it you also do have to respect it because it does it it's is like, tough, I'm sure. I mean, but like, the way – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like one of the most selfless and kind of weirdly selfish things you can do at the same time. It is. It is. Um, and the other thing is the way he downplayed it, because originally – I guess that's that's the surgery. It came out that that's the surgery he was having this offseason. His quote-unquote knee cleanup surgery was actually for his torn MCL. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, like I said, we'll just we'll just add it in another chapter that they write about Tom Brady someday in that book. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't super surprise me that it was the goat, but still impressive yeah. nonetheless. I mean, yep. and, and again, we've talked about this several times at length on the show before too. Uh, not not just beating the Chiefs, but beating them the way you did in the Super Bowl now that we know Brady was playing through an injury like that makes it even more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, I am, I am awestruck by, you know, what this man has done as a quarterback and as an NFL player, you know, whether you love him or you hate him, he is a generation talent, gen- generational talent. And you will see few, if any more like him within you know, several lifetimes. Oh yeah. Uh, time has yet to win against Tom Brady. And I just actually read about an hour before we hopped on and started recording that, uh, his personal trainer expects him to play two more years. Yep. Well, Brady's been pretty vocal that his goal is to play till 45. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's got two years until that point. Um, and we don't know if that, uh, he will take kind of a back seat in the, maybe that last year if, he, if he's shown a decline and kind of do mentoring or if, uh, if he's planning to be the starter the next two years. I mean, honestly, I think a declining Tom Brady is still better than, you know, a good portion of the NFL quarterbacks right now. So I, without I'm a doubt, mad. without a doubt. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, since we're just going to cover all of the NFL news and topics, uh, on this episode, I guess, uh, did you see the stuff about the Saints and their quarterback situation with Jameis uh, and Taysom Hill? 
have not. So it sounds like um, at least early reports from what I read is the Saints are kind of planning to go with Taysom Hill as the starter. Oh boy! And they <laughs> said, not going to make Jameis Winston happy. They said that I think what did they the way they worded it? They said we'll have Jameis there if the Taysom Hill experiment fails, which I think it might. <laughs> Uh, if I think the honest, whole uh, Saints experiment this year might be failing. Yeah, I don't know. But I read that and I thought that was interesting because uh, I know Jameis comes with his own set of issues, but I would have pegged him to be the starter over Taysom Hill. Yeah, I would agree. Um, in Taysom Hill's little starting stint from this past year, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't either, honestly. Um, I think a big majority of the reason that they won the games they did there uh, was due to one Alvin Kamara. But all things considered, I think going with Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback for the upcoming season is a questionable decision, to say the least. But I am just one guy, so. Oh, I agree. So that makes us at least two guys. Two guys. You got two guys here who don't know if Taysom Hill should be the starting quarterback. Now, I think he's still can make a lot of plays happen in other positions we've seen it but i just haven't seen enough of him at quarterback to feel confident that he's he's my starter we'll see uh it could be a grand experiment that pays off but i have my doubts as do i uh well we're running through the nfl newsreel here uh you wanted to talk about cassius marsh a little bit i did that's right i almost forgot about that um, Cassius Marsh came out and said that he, uh, he thought the Patriots weren't Patriots, excuse me, weren't very good to their players. Um, and I kind of want to ask you what you thought about that. Uh, gasp, shock that the Patriots aren't, uh, nice to their players. Maybe nice is the wrong word. I'm not surprised. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, we've seen, we've talked about it on the show, the difference we've seen between New England Tom and Tampa Tom. And I don't think that Tom Brady's mood uh, improvement coming to Tampa Bay was pure coincidence. I think the Patriots ran what I would call beyond a tight ship. Mm -hmm. over there in new England to the point where the fun was taken out of it. The And I get it. It's a job. You're a professional. You're being paid to do it. But I think that the new England machine ran in such a way where uh, the players were interchangeable numbers. They were stats on a sheet. And I think it really didn't amount to a lot more than that. You know? Yeah. In, in his, uh, interview where he was talking about this um he said uh you know he did or yeah you don't have fun there quote unquote um following the patriot way he also talks about like you work so hard you don't get a lunch break um like you get five to ten minutes like go use the bathroom like get a snack if you can like I understand like wanting to win and wanting to like have a hardworking team. But if you like just crunch it down like that, to like you only work, you have no fun. Like at the end of the day, football is a game. Like it is still meant to be fun. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 I'm thinking of two different, like kind of a dichotomy here when you think of this issue where on one hand, you'll have your camp that says, why do you think the Patriots won six Super Bowls? And why do you think they became one of the greatest dynasties in modern sports? I get that. I get that argument. But the other camp is going to say, look at, for instance, the New York Giants in the Tom Coughlin days. Uh, A lot of Giants players will tell you from that team that Tom Coughlin was a grade-A jerk when things started there. Uh, If you weren't five minutes early to his meetings, you were considered late and you were fined for it. Um, it was a lot of stuff like that and players hated it. And then finally, when Tom Coughlin realized he needed to loosen up a little bit, be human a little bit and have fun a tiny bit, uh, the Giants turned around and won the Super Bowl against the very same Patriots. So fun is not a bad thing. And your Buccaneers have shown us that as well. You know, you yeah. can do both. And I don't know, maybe Mac Jones will bring that level of fun that New England needs. Maybe he will be the one that finally gets grumpy old Belichick to, to soften up just a little bit. You think? We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> My hope. And you know, like, I, 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 to the people that are saying, you know, that will say, like you said, that like, will produce results. Yeah, that just because something produces results doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like we kind of talked about it earlier. Like sweatshops produce really good results in terms of on pro- paper products put out, you know. But <laughs> is that really something that you wanna you wanna have in society? And there's somebody out there like, yeah, you know, I think sweatshops are a good thing. I don't know, and you hear the same almost a mirror of this same conversation being had in college football. When you talk about Nick Saban in Alabama, where he runs such a finely tuned machine down there in Tuscaloosa, where yes, they win a ton of national championships, but uh, those guys don't have but five minutes to themselves every day. I don't think. Uh, So I don't know. that's a whole nother podcast man you gotta have some fun with it that's all i'm saying uh we saw i mean look at the way your boys celebrated the super bowl win right after it happened throwing the lombardi trophy around uh you know you would never saw that in new england i guess you saw gronk use it as a baseball bat once but uh Yeah, yeah but you know i don't know Tampa Tom's a lot more fun than New England Tom. And I yeah, think it's a lot harder to hate on Tampa Tom. It is for me anyway. So, yeah, uh, I did read that news about Marsh saying that stuff about New England, and I was not in the slightest shocked. And then I think the last thing we wanted to touch on was uh, Nikhil wanting a trade. Yeah, uh, speaking of the Patriots. Yeah, flows right in, doesn't it? It does. Um you know, I think over this past couple of years, the Patriots kind of just continue to fall apart where you've got people, you know, last year they had a lot of opt-outs and now they're having, I feel like they're just shedding players. Yeah. And that's not a good look right now. I don't think. And you have past players like criticizing the way that organization is run when they're definitely looking for a new franchise quarterback, hoping it's Mac and cheese. Big Mac. 
Big Mac, Mac and Cheese, Mac um, Daddy, Macintosh, um, the laptop himself, <laughs> <laughs> the laptop himself. All right, we're reaching now. Macintosh, like Mac computers. I got you. I know what you're referencing. You the Macintosh Apple? You know what? The the the. I'm at the end of the 2021 season. I'm gonna comb through every New England Patriots broadcast, and if I hear just once even an announcer, uh. Com- talk about the mac computers we're talking about mac jones i will uh buy you lunch or something. oh i get uh well it depends does booger mcfarland still announce no dang it yeah sorry well you're not gonna find it sorry no buddy. you could be talking if, if mac jones plays well you're like oh mac jones he's out there like a macintosh computer so finely tuned maybe like i said maybe. we'll see we'll see maybe. if it gets brought up uh but yeah uh Maybe he uh, Nikhil wants to trade out of New England because, uh, just like Marsh said, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's if you're not having fun playing football as a profession, like I know it's hard work. I know, like there's injuries and you literally put out blood, sweat, and tears. But if you're not having fun playing football as a job, you either need to look at you don't love football or your environment is inhospitable. Exactly. Everything's just always been so clinical with Belichick in New England. You know, it's always cookie cutter uh, down to the press conferences. I mean, and everyone jokes about the Belichick press conferences and how he says the minimal number of words required and all that. But that's, that's how the whole ship is run in New England from the bottom up. And I don't know, I, from the outside looking in, it's easy to see where it's not fun. So I can't imagine what it's actually like on the inside. Yeah. And, you know, I look back a few years ago um, when, when the Eagles played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and had their amazing victory, you know, um, the coaches were, the coaches and the players were talking about how they were just having fun out there you know, things like that. And then that next, I think it was that next year, maybe a two years after the Patriots had a rematch with the Eagles and wiped the floor with them. And Belichick's on something like who's having fun now. And at the time I was like, Oh, he's just being snarky. And now I'm like, Oh, maybe like he hates fun. He might have like a actual personal uh, allergy to fun. Like uh, yeah, maybe. Man, I don't know. Maybe he just like physically convulses when he thinks about enjoying something. Fun, not on my watch. Kind of makes sense why him and Nick Saban are really good friends. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it there with that. Uh, But yeah, a lot of news going around the NFL this last week. Yeah. um... To the point where we didn't really have a chance to talk about much else on this episode. Uh, but I know, but it's not over yet. It's not because you know what? I've been thinking of the NHL draft and I've been thinking of a certain game show. Do you want to know what that show is? Jeopardy. The price is right, Justin, because Carrie Price is available. <laughs> he is. And it's super exciting. And by the time this episode comes out, we will know the answer to the big question. Will the Seattle Kraken go for Carey Price? And all I'm saying is, I hope we'll look back on this fondly because they better. They better. You have a chance, and I guess he's going to be a big salary cap hit if you take him. 
but you are a brand new franchise just starting out from ground zero and you have a chance to get a franchise guy, I think you have to do it. Yeah, I I think he would be a very good pickup since he is available. Um, you know, cap hit be danged. I mean, yeah, you know, you worry worry about that later, okay? Like I said, you're just starting out. Let's go, boys. Get a get a big name guy on your roster. Let's get something to really be excited about there in Seattle. Uh and that that's my shout out this week. Shout out to the Seattle Kraken who are it just feels real now. It feels like it's it's all happening and it is all happening and I just can barely get my words out. I'm so excited. So shout out to the newest boys on the block in the NHL. Let's bully them around a little bit and show them what's up Seattle. I want to see a Stanley cup in this first year. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So if we're doing shout outs, uh, mine is on a much different tangent. Um, my, uh, my shout out is Olympic related actually. Okay. Um, and it's also a shout out and a call out. Um, my shout out goes out to the Norwegian women's beach handball oh, team. I as was called. I was gonna do this, and I'm so glad I didn't. Now, all right, take it. I away. so the Norwegian women's beach volleyball team just got fined a sizable amount of money for not wearing bikini bottoms in their most recent match. Um, yeah. this was something that they have been uh kind of protesting for a while they have gone through you know official channels nothing's been changed um and basically the regulations for olympic beach volleyball for women says that they have to wear you know small bikini bottoms and and uh, a sports bra you know not being a woman i i don't exactly understand the situation but i empathize with these women and you know they you know there's no two ways about it necessarily because if you look at the men's uniforms they're allowed to wear you know shorts and you know uh a shirt i i you know it's a tank top but Mm -hmm. um it's it's definitely like a little sexist there like there's if if the bikini bottoms are so integral to the game of beach volleyball then men should have to wear them too (laughs) Um, but I love it. yeah, uh, here's the regulation. Um, male players are allowed to wear tank top and shorts no longer than four inches above the knee. Women are required to mer- to wear midriff bearing tops and bikini bottoms with a closed fit and cut on an upward angle towards the top of the leg and a maximum of a maximum side width of four inches. Like four inches is not a lot. And that's like the side, you know? Yeah. Anyway. The the fact that this is not, you know, I don't know, it, it's ridiculous. And good on the Norwegian team for, you know, taking a stand. Um, you know, they said they were willing to face this fine. Good for them for standing up for what they believe in. I think, you know, there should at least be a tolerance in it if if teams want to wear um, the traditional, not necessarily traditional, but if they want to wear that sports bra, bikini bottom, you know, let them. But if they want to wear you know, shorts or longer tights or whatever, let them like, there's no reason 
that the dress code has to be this way. Yeah, the Olympic Committee is really, 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 really stupid. I'm just going to flat out say it. And and then you have, um, and I can't remember her name. I was reading the story earlier. Yeah. But you had a, a jumper that was then criticized for her her bottoms being too revealing by a judge. And the more and more I read about the Olympics, the more and more I am just thinking they are kind of a crap fest. It's not great. It really needs to get um, overhauled or changed in some way, shape, or form or something. Yeah, there it's it's a very, very corrupt thing. Uh, just like FIFA. Uh, yeah, is, uh, and I mean, this is no, this is no Rio de Janeiro or uh, Russian Olympics or anything like that. It's not that bad, but it it's bad. And yeah. Well, you also I, had the like in the Para Olympics, you had that gal withdraw because the Tokyo told her she couldn't bring her personal assistant with her. Yeah, her mother, who is like oh my been God, with her man. forever, like it. It is so bad. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I, I We could do a whole episode on the corruption that exists within the Olympic uh, Committee, and, and I don't know. It's just awful. It's bad. They're stupid. Uh, it needs to be dismantled, torn down, and just like the NCAA. So, yeah. Fun fact, sports organizations apparently more often or not are corrupt in one way, shape or form. Yes. When there's that amount of money changing hands, Ooh, I would have never guessed. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard to hold on to your morals when your palms are so greased up. <laughs> Perfectly said, sir. Perfectly said. Uh, if I were to have a call out this week, uh, it would probably be that I didn't really prepare one, but you know, I think we both kind of agree that, there was nothing more egregious this week in sports than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I have for my, my shout out, you know, but. Yeah, hey, let's go Norway. Yeah. Boy, I, it's the Olympics haven't even got fully underway. Let's, let's see how much more controversy there can be by the end of this. We need this a shindig, little, little uh, tally going Olympic controversy moments. Uh, yep. We're already at two or three now. Oh man. Well, we have uh, we have this whole situation. We have the Paralympics one. Yeah. Uh, we have the the weed situation. The weed situation. Uh, did you hear about the bed situation? That they're basically <laughs> I did, which was immediately debunked. Yeah. So did you, I, did you see the guy jumping on the bed? No, I didn't see that. Oh I yeah. Just, I read something briefly about it. Uh, yeah. The Olympics yeah. are a crazy time, man. Stories come out during the Olympics that it's like, what is going on over there? Uh, like, it's just like a, I feel like it's like a two, three week long summer camp where there's no adult supervision. And then you have these sort of wild stories come out or uh, sometimes not so great stories come out. I don't know. That's yeah, how The know. Olympics on one hand are super, super, super cool. And I really, really like a lot of it. But on the other hand, the corruption and uh, all the crap that comes out, like, yeah, it's it's terrible. And then, like, if you ever want to see something crazy, go go just Google abandoned Olympic venues. That's depressing is what it is. There's uh, all these things that are built just for the Olympics and just abandoned. Never touched again. It's absolutely yeah. abhorrent. Um, yeah. 
the Olympics aren't as great as the uh, glitz and glam would like you to believe. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I still enjoy watching them. I love the athletic competition, but there's a whole different world behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I think, man, we, yeah. You and me on this show, we could solve all the world's problems if people would just listen to us. Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of listening to us, uh, thank you to the ones who do. Uh, even if you don't always uh, necessarily maybe agree with what Justin and I have to say, but you tune back in week after week. You know, if you don't agree with us, call us out on Twitter. You know, shoot us a, mes- a message at the expansion BU1 on Twitter. Our our messages are open now, right? Our DMs are open. Uh, if you, you want to argue or fight, you know, at us. You know, most people are too cowardly. They say, don't at me, at me. Yeah, at me, bro. At the exp- at me. expansion or at the expansion BU1. Same Do- thing on Instagram. Exactly. Come and fight me online, not in real life. I don't want to actually throw hands. Yeah, I don't want to throw or catch hands. Uh, but yeah, add us on Twitter or Instagram, like Justin said. But, you know, also just thank you for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, for tuning in, wherever that may be from iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, the Can on a String, Spotify, all the good places. The Can on a String made it on the list before Spotify this time. I I mean, it's our primary venue, so it is definitely makes sense. the most accessible means for people to listen to us. Uh, but we appreciate you all for listening, for tuning in on this Thursday. Hopefully you're having a great Thursday. And we'll be back for you next week with another episode until then i'm jared that's been justin and never forget party like it's 1976